Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, starring me, Dags. The Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast is a powerful American pop culture podcast. And I'm really excited today because we have a powerful podcaster also, and his name is Adrian from Adrian Has Issues, all the way from the mean streets of New York City. Welcome to the barn, Adrian. (laughs) Hey, how are you? (laughs) Long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah long time caller first time. i'm sorry long, I, I had to get that yeah, out of the way <laughs> long time caller first time listener so what's going on uh well first off thanks for having me on um a little bit before we got started we had been talking about the fact that um well we've both been podcasting for uh quite some time and uh things are going well and matter of fact as of this uh day it's been six years since I first started podcasting, and um, I know I had put out a big tweet about it, and I also had remembered that uh, your show and you personally have been a very big part of, you know, those early days and meeting other podcasters. So it's been a little surreal to realize that I've been doing it this long in some capacity. So first and foremost, not only thank you for having me on the show, but just thank you for, of course, your support. And also just for what you do, because, uh, like, again, it's not an easy thing. And while six years doesn't seem like a long time uh, doing this, it, it feels like an eternity. And I honestly would not trade it for the world. Powerful. I want to I wanna cue the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> I can sing it if you want. Trust me. I love that song to death. Who's your favorite on the show? Oh, see, this is tough. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm gonna have to say Blanche. Now, now, are they technically supervillains or superheroes, or what are they? I would say they're antiheroes. I, I would honestly say that they're a little bit of antiheroes. Like, you know, they get things done, but, you know, they kind of follow their own code, but... <laughs> God, that's actually a really good question. Now, has there ever been a crossover from Mona, from Who's the Boss? No, but I also I was reminded today that there was a crossover between um I think it was Angela Lansbury Murder She Wrote and like Magnum PI, which I don't remember this and now I need to like flag that episode down somehow. Did they make love? But Motor from <laughs> If they did, I feel like that would almost that would have to be like in legendary status. But Motor from Who's the Boss? I feel like she was that like Hold on, hold the on. Fifth the, hold on. The episode would be called BJ and the Bear. All right, go ahead. Oh no. It's a gift. <laughs> but no, if like what if from who's the boss was on her, I feel like she would be like the fifth beetle or like um that one guy from Metallica who was kicked out for drinking too much. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now tell everyone I want I wanna know about <laughs> like, I wanna know about your podcast, how it works. 
Okay, so, um, as it, as of 2015, um, it's been about four years now, the Adrian Has Issues podcast is a podcast where I sit down with other creators, whether it be from the world of comic books, music, um, filmmaking, and, you know, even just some friends of mine and other podcasters, where we basically just sit down and not only just talk about geek things like superheroes and things like that, but just anything that we love. How did you first get into it? Because I know I know you had a show before. Well, how I got into it, um, trying to make this a long story short, I had been working at a comic book store uh, back in like the mid-2000s, and there was a, um, my boss, we used to go to a video store, it was a Suncoast, <laughs> in the mall, uh, not too far from us and over time one of the clerks there i met him and uh you know became friends and at one point he hands me a business card saying that he ran a podcast and i was like well what's a podcast and basically it's like an online radio show where uh, me and my co-host uh, the name of the show is big kev's geek stuff um and he was like well we talk about comics toys collectibles so i was like all right i'll give him a listen and just listening to the show, and it's like this reminded me so much of conversations that I would have with one of my friends, uh, Atlas, who was my co-host on the original show. And so a couple of years go by of listening to this show and thinking, you know, this sounds cool, but it's not something I could probably do until I really just researched it and was just like, this is doable. So one day I just asked him, can, you know, do you want to start a podcast? And he's like, okay. And <laughs> those first few episodes were rough around the edges you know it wasn't exactly the best audio quality but there was just something about having these conversations talking to my friend about the books he read the movies we watched uh, and all this other great stuff and as someone who always wanted to do like you know i always wanted to be like a radio dj or get into some sort of like broadcasting it was a nice way to do it and since it's not like i went to like a broadcasting school it just felt very organic, very real, and that's basically it. And from there, talking about the stuff that we loved, and I also wanted to talk about the people who made the comics. Because in a lot of ways, I read comics, I watched movies, I engaged in all this stuff, not really knowing about the process behind it. And I wanted to get a better understanding, so I figured, well, the best way to do that is to talk to the people who make it. And like I said, Adrian Has Issues has done exactly that since january 2015 and you know the show has gone through you know different iterations and different styles and even like the guests have kind of changed over the years but what hasn't changed is just how much i love talking to creators and getting the inspiration behind why they do what they do much like what you know you do because being a podcaster you connect with an audience you connect with your listeners and just building those connections. And I've met so many great people over the years from this and in a way that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So it really did change my life, uh, mostly for the better, except for the sleep part. I lose a lot of sleep now. <laughs> now, why do you lose a lot of sleep? Um, mainly just editing show prep um, and something. I don't know if you can attest to this, but podcasting, it looks easy. And a lot of times it even sounds easy, but a lot of work goes into a show prep, whether you do a solo show or one with a co-host or you're interviewing people, there's a certain amount of work that goes into 
setting up shows, um, depending on what your equipment is, editing your shows, if you're someone who heavily edits. It's a lot, and especially if you're a show that does it on a constant basis weekly. That's a lot of time, and it's, it's a heavy commitment. It's very rewarding, but it's still work. So, And a lot of my editing is usually done like overnight. Now, what do you call your fans, the listeners? Oh, see, I'm... That is a good question because you know what I don't have like you're cool because you have like what is it the flock of Amish yes so, powerful yeah, really awesome name <laughs> I don't think I have a name for my uh, calls yet I'll um, have to come up with one I was I don't have a name for my uh, my listeners no because hmm. I consider the the flock of Amish we're like a cult but we're a fun cult it's like blue oyster cult kind of thing powerful <laughs> Godzilla nice. Gosh, this is now I'm gonna have to think about this and get back to you because that's something I never thought of. What are my listeners called? Yes. Um <laughs> Wonderful is the first thing that comes to mind, but I need like a Well it has like, to be an alliteration. You know, Peter Parker, Matt Murdock, Adrian's aliens, something cool. Aliens are big right uh, now. Yeah, they are pretty big, but that's what I'm kinda concerned about. I feel like I'd be trying to capitalize on like the uh the viral uh thing going on but once that well runs dry i'm gonna have to come up with something else area 51 now my idea was everything was already in area 50 they moved it all (laughs) and they probably will move it again (laughs) (laughs) now do you believe in aliens because i'm i i love aliens i love ufos ufos that's how i pronounce it i'm gonna say this on the record i truly believe that there is some other life out there. Um, does it exist the way that it's depicted in movies? Maybe, maybe not. But I find it hard to believe that we haven't made contact with something out there. Um, I'm not like the guy from like Blink-182 who's like created this whole think tank to try to like discover them. But honestly, I think it'd be great if we like came across like, hey, this guy here uh, or this woman, whatever. Turns out they've been alien. They've been here for years, and they live among us. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of rad. What's your favorite alien movie? Oh, God. Um, I mean, it would have to be, I think, Alien or Aliens. Powerful. Powerful. Alien or Aliens? It's ever-loving crap out of me, but it's great. Yeah, I loved Aliens. I always use that quote, you know, where the nuke it from, or, uh, nuke it from orbit, the only way to be sure. <laughs> you know how many times i've said that my everyday life yeah i know exactly I know that's sad or funny or our or chat from weird science game over man oh that dude is awesome it's kind of sad uh, he passed he's bill paxton i know he really is like he really was one of those great character actors but yeah the alien series is is so much fun and even with like the ridiculous movies like alien versus predator like it's still so much fun oh yeah predator is Predator is weird, too, because you don't even think of that as an alien movie. I mean, it, it's cool because it's one of my favorite go-to movies, and I always talk about how it starts out as like a cool 80s action flick, and then it segues into sci-fi horror. I mean, it's amazing. Right, and I was thinking about that not too long ago, because uh, it's one of like my dad's favorite movies. We were talking about it, at least through text. And we were talking about that very same thing because that really couldn't exist with like social media where like things would get spoiled early. But could you imagine going into the movies to see Predator for the first time thinking it's just going to be Schwarzenegger with the machine gun just mowing down like these like random like 
I don't know, like armed militia or something like that, only to find out that they're actually like being hunted down by like this alien that can go invisible. Like that would blow my mind if, if I saw that in theaters originally. It's great. Now, now speaking about, I wanted to get back to comic books, the Comic Con. Now, you go to the conventions, don't you? Yeah. I have not been to San Diego yet. That's to me, it's like, that is the, pardon the pun, that's the end game. Because that's like the Comic Con, at least to me. And, you know, I've been to a lot of the ones in the area, a lot of small ones, the one in New York. But going out to San Diego, to me, that's like, once I'm there and like, even like let's say doing a panel or a live podcast taping at that convention, I know I've made it. Absolutely. Now, what what is your uh, take on the conventions in general? Because I had a little problem. I went to one, and it, and it almost seemed like it was too much about making money, and not as much about comic books. Because the one I went to, right. they were selling like vinyl, they were selling knickknacks, like nothing that had to do with comic books. And then there was a ton of artists that. All they were doing was their versions of superheroes. And then you have the row of the so-called, you know, the famous people, and they're charging exorbitant fees for their pictures. Now, I understand it's a business, I get that, but I wish it could be more about the, the fandom and less about making money. Right. And that's a, that's a very, like, multi-layered question. And I've seen a lot of talk online about, you know, what makes a good convention. Like, I'll put it to you like this. Um, when I first started going to conventions, it was very much like the, I'd go see, okay, who were the people like, obviously someone like a Stanley or a famous comic creator, or even like a, any celebrity I'd want to meet. But then as I kept going through, you know, with each year, you know, running across areas like, you know, Artist Alley or the small press tables, like these booths where you're meeting these great creators. And it's cool because with them, you can have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one because you're not like having to wait on a line forever. But I think to me, conventions are, are difficult because everybody kind of has different reasons as to why they go. Some people, like you said, go for comics. Some people want to go to maybe meet celebrities. And as far as like what they charge, it can be a bit much, but if you're someone who's like really into, let's say, um, I think it was like Mark Hamill was at one of the New York Comic Cons, and I remember looking at um, what the the price for autograph was, and at the time it was too expensive for me. Then like the following year, where I actually had a little bit more of a budget, and then he wasn't there. It's like dang, actually in retrospect, it didn't seem like that was a big deal. <laughs> so it's like shoot, I could have actually just pointed at the cash just to meet you know Luke Skywalker, but I, I it is hard. There must have been a downtime for Mark that. Hamill. There must have been a downtime for Mark Hamill between the movies and the reinsurgence of the popularity. Like, I'm trying to figure out what year, right. like yeah. after the trilogy, that, you, you know, he would have showed up at World of Wheels, you know, car show, World of Wheels starring Mark Hamill. Get your autograph. <laughs> and I, that line still would have been pretty long, you know? And you're right, because um, I think this is mainly around the time when he was doing, I think, mostly voiceover work. Um, there hadn't been... Oh, God, had they really started talking about the new trilogy yet? No, uh, the new trilogy hadn't happened just yet. So, but again, I guess it really depends on what you're there for. Because um, like I said, I know having met, uh, let's see, what is his name? Larry Kenny, the voice actor who does the voice of Lino in Thundercats. Uh, that was at a much smaller convention out here in New York. And 
it wasn't necessarily even about just necessarily the money or anything like that, but to meet someone who I greatly admired and was the voice of one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite cartoons, it was worth the price. So, like, and, and the same thing with meeting comic book creators, but it's also fun because you get to meet people that you do admire from, like, let's say TV shows, but then hopefully you can then meet some people that you maybe aren't aware of from the world of comics. And it's tough because it's like, okay, who do you go there for? And I think it's really the responsibility of the convention runners that they make sure that everybody's well represented. Whether you're there, like I said, for comics, for the meet wrestlers, or even if you're there just to kind of like trade and like, you know, like they always have like the dealers, they have like the short boxes and like they'll have like the you know, the rare comics, even if you're there for that, that make sure that everybody kind of has a place and that everybody's well represented. Because I know some people argue like, well, you can't call it a Comic-Con if it's just celebrities, which I know Comic-Con's sort of like a catch-all. So like I said, it's it's a little tricky, but I think as long as whoever's running it runs it well and make sure that whoever's paying to be there, whether it be the guests or exhibitors, that everybody's well represented, I, I don't think it's too big a deal. Now, have you have you gone up to a lot of vendor tables, and are most of them friendly towards you, or or because it seems like a lot of times I went to a couple, and there was always like some dude sitting down and they're making butter sandwiches, and I'm like, and you're kind of up at the table, and they're kind of just like you're kind of like inconvenience, like go away, and I'm like, dude, you know I might buy some shit, but you're you're back there just blowing me off, and that's happened a couple right. different times for. Me. And I'd be lying if I said that didn't happen to me as well. Whether I was just there as uh, a convention goer or even trying to like work the floor, even like as a podcaster. And it does bum me out. But I also understand like most conventions are what, two, three days? And it's a good chunk of the day. So I, I'm thinking on this end, yeah, it's really hard when you have somebody who's you know, maybe unattentive or, you know, they kind of look worn out, but then realizing like they've been there like all day and it's hard because usually when I do a podcast, I'm only doing it for maybe an hour, hour and a half most. But then if I'm really tired, once the show's over and everything's done, like I can go like in the bedroom and like relax since, you know, I do this out of my house. But if you're at a convention, like there's not really like a rest area, so to speak. So you're pretty much there the whole time. So if you're having a long day or even like a bad day or even if you're having a great day, it's it's a lot to be at a booth. So I try to like cut people some slack as long as they're not like super um like super like nasty about it cuz you know, I've talked to some people and they've been like re- like had like a really bad attitude. Like if someone just flat out said to me it's like, "Look, you know, I do apologize. It's been a long day," which has happened and you know, I was like, "You know, is there you know, so, you know, at least that way they let you know, it's like, look, I'm not necessarily going out of my way to be, like, a jerk or anything. It's just like, look, it's been a long day, so I appreciate your consideration. That goes a long way to me to keep things from being super awkward. Yeah, you know, and there's also the cosplay. You know, that's that's gotten huge over the years. Because, I, I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I've thought about getting into doing Caillou cosplay. I think I could pull that off. <laughs> Wait, is Johnny Rage going to be Rosie? <laughs> Powerful. Powerful. 
Now tell me about cosplay. Oh my god, no! You got to do it at least once. You got to do it at least once. That's all I'm gonna say about that. I know. I I think people would just love it. I do want to do uh, YouTube also. I'm a little scared though. I'm just gonna do it. You need to stop talking yeah, I, about I stuff. You just gotta go do it. it. Absolutely, that's kind of how I started podcasting. <laughs> Have you thought about doing a YouTube channel? I thought about doing video, but I don't think I'm terribly like photogenic or video ready. I don't know. I'm I'm still at the can I take a picture where I don't look like swamp thing stage in my life. <laughs> but no, and I have thought about doing YouTube and I know that's also a really big market that I don't want to ignore at all, but I have to find a way to do it where it makes sense if that makes Well, sense. they should have, you know how they have the face app? Right. They should have a face app for YouTube. You know, smooth, oh God, smooths so out all the lines and, and yeah, smooths out all the lines and makes you look handsome. Oh man! Well, in that case, if the, if we're doing that, then I'll just start doing like Idris Elba deep fakes, like <laughs> yeah, the deep fake like, you videos. Sound a little weird. Now, what, what are your t- what's your take on cosplay? You enjoy that? I I dig it. Like anybody, whether it's a simple like, okay, I'm just wearing like a Spider Man onesie, or you're doing like professional cosplay where people that tour, I give anybody credit because I know like when I go to cons, I usually have like a survival kit. Like I have like, you know, the backpack. There's like lunches. There's you know, there's microphone equipment, there's stuff for comics and posters. So you're walking around like a video game character with all these items in your inventory. And it's exhausting to walk around all day. So imagine wearing a costume, regardless of what it is, all day and having to stop to take pictures. And then especially how elaborate it is, you're trying to like navigate like crowded rooms and stuff like that. So I give people all the credit for cosplaying, no matter how it is that they do it, because I just know me. I couldn't do it because I think after like the first hour, I'd ri- I'd want to rip everything off. So you got to be committed to that kind of thing. What superhero do you look like closest to? Um, let's see. Oh, this is tough. I was gonna say the Blob, but <laughs> I lead with. Kelly now, what is the deal with the Blob? <laughs> Can we have more Blob? I want the Blob now. What, which um, which X X Men movie was that where he was in the boxing ring sipping on the drink? Was that um was it X Men Origins, or was it First Class? I can never remember. But I know he got like a really big push in the um what is it the comic was it Extremists, uh recently like he actually kind of had like this nice big push where he was less of like just this angry big dude and he actually kind of had like this nice multi layered story. It was really sweet. I always like the characters no one likes. I always like the comic books no one likes, like Marvel two in one thing. Mm-hmm. And they're not worth anything. But I always like the characters no one likes. Like, I like the blob. I like the beast before he mutated into the purple cat. You know what I mean? And and they got to give up. Oh, yeah, before, like, these. They got to give up on the beast. I mean, you can't pull off that uh, the cookie monster fur. It just it doesn't translate well. Yeah, I, I think the beast, he became, like, that really cool character. And as much of they really started to play with the moral implications of like the stuff he does because obviously him getting the fur was an accident but then in later comics where was that beast that were for all to the purposes he tried to stop um trying to find a way to keep mutants thriving because there was this whole storyline where like scarlet witch had like wished away mutants and they're essentially they're in a dangerous species 
So at at one point, he was trying to find a way to counteract that, and I think one of the ideas was bringing like the original five X Men from the past. And then he was also a part of like the Marvel Illuminati. And if you haven't read Avengers or New Avengers by Jonathan Hickman, always a book I recommend because it's great because Beast, and along with some other Marvel characters like Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Namor, Iron Man, like they're a part of like this group. Essentially, they're trying to figure out how to save the world. But yet, in order to save the world, like they kind of have to start like making these really just tough compromises that kind of blur the lines like okay are they heroes still in beast always kind of being the kind of morally upright character watching him sort of make all those decisions it's really cool and it made me kind of appreciate beast in a way i didn't before because before it was just kind of like okay he's blue donkey kong <laughs> yeah exactly and i like cyclops i mean i like havoc i like a lot of characters that aren't as popular oh havoc's great isn't he epic havoc yeah, Havoc, I'm sorry, Havoc's better than Cyclops. It just is. Anyone who hears this and feels a certain kind of way, fight me. <laughs> He's just better. Now, let me let me hear your top characters. What are your go-to uh, books? Like, if you could only have a couple. Okay. Only a couple? Well, anything X-Men-based, um, that's tough because, like, the X-Men are always being rebooted, so... I'm trying to see my enough like okay of any series or years okay so the new mutants from the 80s definitely up there um the 90s x factor that team the havoc run that was my second favorite uh generation x that one team with like banshee and like jubilee again like i, I think i'm like you i think a lot of obscure combo characters especially obscure x-men uh, wait, am I up to three, right? Or am I at four? No, that's fine. I mean, I, I just like to talk about, like, characters that that a lot of people don't know about or maybe know about. But right. it seems like in the, the movies, it just kind of, you know, all there is is Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. And I kind of like some of the ones that, you know, like I said, Beast and Blob. And, you know, I was just watching the on the last podcast episode. I was talking about Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. Mm-hmm. We could get into that. You saw that, right? Yes, I did see that. Yep. The the Spider-Man when the movie when he turns in the Sandman turns in his origin when he's sand and he forms that uh what's his name? Hayden Church guy. Oh yeah, Thomas Hayden yes. Church. That was my guy. Like, it was such a great character. I know that everybody hates that movie, but no, I he was see. Great. I loved it. And the scene where he's he's forming and he's falling apart, and then he reaches for the locket and it falls through his hands, and the music. See, my hands problem down. is now with one of the best scenes ever. My problem is now. My problem is now with with movies. They cram so many things on the screen. You know, it, they have a million different things buzzing around, and you can't process all that but like that that sandman scene was so sweet because it was just one dude you just concentrating on that and then the music instead of too much cgi even though that was all cgi but i mean too much action thrown in there what did you think of and i think what did you think of the last about like uh the new one the new one yep um, funny enough, much like you were just saying about Sandman, like if, as far as like the idea that like there's so much going on, there's like I think with Far From Home, 
much like with the um, Homecoming, I think was the first one of the new Spider Man movies. It's its best when it's really just doing like the coming of age, like kind of like teen comedy with you know him, you know, trying to like deal with school like in the stuff with like his classmates and i love that because it's cool showing peter parker that he's not like so socially awkward like to a point but he also has friends in there except for flash like I, I think they generally like him as well and those parts of the movie were great i'm gonna try my best not to spoil in case not everybody who's listening seen it but i like those parts where he's just kind of like you know talking to his friend ned uh, having the one thing with the one kid in class who also liked MJ and stuff like that. I wasn't as thrilled with like the superhero parts of it. As far as like the stuff with Mysterio, I mean, I get it why they did it and it made sense as far as the story, like it was easy to follow. But to me, like with this new series and even some of even like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, the best moments are just him just as a regular kid, just trying to figure out like regular kid stuff. That's that's funny you said that because this this last this last one, the parts I enjoyed the most are him being a high school kid and joking around, which is exactly. But but I would rather. I mean, I enjoyed that. It was funny. But why can't we have a Spider Man in a suit? I don't understand. Too, there's no more secret identity anymore. They're always everyone's unmasked all the time. And I mean, I don't know why they're doing it, but I want to see him fighting crime in the suit. I want to see him in the city fighting crime. Like, like that's my problem with the animated movies. They're so good because they basically take the comic book and just animate it. But movies, they're so worried about, I don't know, about getting people that are not into comic books. So they have to change the costume and they can't make it look too gimmicky. They have to take the mask off all the time. Just stop. I mean, if you're making a good movie, like uh, to me, like The Watchmen, that was good. What did you think of The Watchmen? Watchmen, I'm going to say this, and again, I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but Watchmen to me is what happens when you're so faithful to the source material that it becomes boring. (laughs) You would have hacked out, but would you have cut out about an hour out of that movie or what? I would cut out about an hour. Um... The ridiculous sex scene in the ship to Leonard Cohen, cut that right out. I just, it was just not even like a, oh, it makes me uncomfortable, but it was just sort of pointless. I don't know. I just feel like that was, it made sense for Zack Snyder since he's very much like the anti-superhero superhero director, which is weird that they gave him Justice League, but I don't know. I feel like I get what you're saying as far as with Spider-Man and things like that, where they, you know, they're trying to find ways to make it relatable, I think, to the average audience. But I think at this point, the average audience, I mean, we're, what, 20-something movies into the Marvel Universe. And you have a series where there's a talking raccoon and a talking tree that says three words, and yet everybody loves them. I don't think you have to worry so much about making Spider-Man relatable. Like, people love Spider-Man. Like, when I went to go to the movies, like... You know, I took Eileen's kids and we were, um, you know, the daughter, she's like, she was dressed up. She had the mask and well, she was going to wear the gloves, but we were worried about losing them. But she's just into Spider-Man. And I don't think you really have to sell them too hard on people. So I think in a lot of ways, just kind of keep it simple. And I also feel like since we've already had him in space fighting Thanos, it's going to be hard in his like second, third movie where he's just kind of like, 
fighting purse snatchers. Where it's like, dude, you fought Thanos. Like, why were you? <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, let let the local guys do this. But well, that's why I don't like Thanos. I don't like. I relate more to. I like the the Daredevil, Luke Cage, Power Man, Spider Man. Okay, so you're definitely like that. The street level characters. Well, he's he's okay, I'm he's with you, which I feel that. I mean, you can have super powerful super villains, but it's still on the street. Like when Spider Man fights the Sinister Six, you know, it's in Manhattan. Right. I don't. You know, when they when they go off in too many out into outer space and they kind of lose me but you know i like you know the the dark and some guys like you said mug and someone in the alley and spider-man swoops in like batman i mean that's why people like the dark knight it had that whole thing and and another thing too is um spider-man in the new movie he's he's too weak and i know he's 16 year old kid but i like him more He, he he seemed too short in stature too I wanted him taller. I wanted him, you know, he's more wisecracking too. The the Spider-Man to me, I think of more wisecracking like Deadpool. You know, have like a banter with the villains. Right. He he was just which like, is something I is really hard to do because I no isn't it like originally like as far as the banter that was sort of his way because Spider-Man wasn't necessarily like he's strong but he's not the most like physically imposing so his idea to sort of true about villains was essentially just keep talking which i i understand that completely <laughs> yeah but the, the the deadpool i love that but what's funny about deadpool is it's almost they should just make it a pure comedy because it's so over the top right. so absurd and like that last villain that kid the fire kid that was horrible what was his name? Man, I oh, what was it? Rusty. <laughs> I mean, that was just dumb. Which, and then the be- the best the part things I know that was sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, which is funny because he's actually based off of like uh, one of the more obscure, longer running X Men characters who, like him, was kind of this hapless kid who's just always in like the worst situations, like but like no team wanted him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I. I vaguely remember that was that 90s or when was that yeah it was like late 80s yes, early 90s yes. but it was just kind of like someone helped this kid already good lord yeah so you know and obviously i think the the best part people loved about deadpool was uh colossus and juggernaut oh he was because colossus actually looked like colossus so i don't i don't know um my best friend had the he had the best theory about that, and what made the first Deadpool especially so much fun is how how he put it was, we saw that movie through, um, actually I think I did an episode about this, um, He but he had said it like, you're seeing everything through the Deadpool's lenses, like through his mind, and how he views everything, which is I think why Colossus is funny, because you read the, the X-Men comics, you know, Colossus is far from like this goody two-shoes, but the Deadpool... Like, the X-Men are, might as well just be, like, Captain America, where they're just, like, oh, they just spout, like, these weird things about, like, oh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and, you know, eat your, you know, take your vitamins and, you know, be kind to your parents. But, like, we all know that the X-Men are not that team, but the Deadpool, they just seem like goody two-shoes, which I think is hilarious, because everything you're seeing in this movie is just how Deadpool thinks of them. Did you see the last X-Men movie? No, I have not. Oh, wait, Dark Phoenix? No, I have not seen that. Honestly, I didn't even get through all of 
uh, Apocalypse. I think the last one I saw, like all of, was Days of Future Past, and I'm I'm kind of just done with the X Men movies. I think I'm too into the source material to see the movies objectively. Like I'm that person who I just feel like. Like you said, like they just kind of threw a bunch of stuff at it without really having any cohesion. Like, say what you will about the Avengers movies, but they've set those up very well where everybody has like a character arc. Whereas the X Men movies, they just started to feel like, all right, well, this character we haven't used, put him in there. We're going to put Nightcrawler in again, even though he's a kid and he has no real bearing on anything. Like, there was just nothing felt grounded. No, I think you're right on that. It kind of ran its course. Sometimes you got to just let things die and maybe reboot them later. But you're right. I mean, you just, yeah, yeah they just start running out of steam. Now they're going to. Which is weird because first class was like really good, but then it just kind of fell off again. Now they're going to bring back the Fantastic Four again. That's, that's the word. And I'm really excited about how they're going to tackle this. What can they do, though? Now, what is your feelings on uh, changing Johnny Storm? Changing Johnny Storm, that's fine. Because at first we thought, well, when Chris Evans got cast as Captain America, we're like, well, how is he going to be that when he was Johnny Storm? And yet he, to me, I think he's a better Steve Rogers than he was a Human Torch. I like the Human Torch. Fantastic Force Tub. I liked him as Human Torch. So he was cocky. I thought he did a good job. Oh, he was great. I loved him. But yeah, he was also a really good Steve Rogers. So it was kind of tough like to see him as both because at first it was hard to separate it. But once like the second Cat movie came out, you're like, Wow, this guy is Steve Rogers. But what what was with the sideburns and all the makeup? That last one, I couldn't stop staring at him. He had so much goddamn pancake makeup on his face. What do you think that was? <laughs> I never even noticed that. But granted, was that maybe an IMAX thing or is it like a high def? I never even paid attention to Dude, it. Dude, he had. Now I'm not going to be able to unsee it. Thanks. Yeah, watch, Thanks. pull up YouTube. He had so much damn makeup on. And I don't know if he's getting older and they wanted to keep him like that or it was some uh something to contrast when he got old when he used the face app at the end of the movie and got old i don't know <laughs> but it's like yeah that's that's what i did on the on the i don't know if it was on um twitter or facebook's but i i said okay i'm gonna finally put my facebook app up and i i put the picture of steve rogers as old by the way, your meme game has been on point. I should just say, if you're not following Amish Baby Machine on Twitter, yes, I'm going to do a shameless plug on your own show, but definitely check it out because you put up some really funny stuff. Thank you, and it's all original. Everything I do What's is a, original. Question about Fantastic Four. Like, the best way to do Fantastic Four is to not make it a superhero movie. Like, they're super powered, but I think you can do more of like, um, did you ever read any of um, Future Foundation? No. Tell us. Okay, so, gosh, I can't remember how many years ago this was. Uh, Fantastic Four, Human Torch was supposedly killed, and then they kind of got out of just doing that. So then they started with essentially the Future Foundation, which was more of like a... It was more of like a think tank or like a collective of scientists. And um, in his last wishes, Human Torch was like, all right, if anything happens to me... Uh, Spider-Man should totally replace me. So Spider-Man was on a team. And it was basically just a group of just explorers. And I think my favorite Fantastic Four stories are when the four of them, they're about, like, exploring different, like, worlds and dimensions. And if they happen to have to fight, like, some villain, cool. But they're not the same team that, like, okay, 
if there's going to be like, I don't know, a bus that's going out of control in Midtown, you're not going to call it Fantastic Four for that. I feel like that's something, again, like a Spider-Man, maybe even like a Luke Cage, something like that. But I think treating Fantastic Four more of like a scientific-minded Avengers, maybe? Or even like a Lost in Space. Well, exa- like I, that's that. funny you said Lost in Space. I mean, Lost in Space, that's exactly what it is. You think about it, the mom and the dad. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, the, the that's how you do it. Lost in space was yeah. Powers. They have the you know yeah. the old curmudgeon, Unka band. You know who could be Doctor Doom? Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> they I, both have robots. No, I was thinking more thing, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and Doc, yeah, Doctor Doom. I mean, if you think what is Doctor Doom really? Darth Vader. Right. You know what I mean. He could totally be like Dr. Smith. Like, he's always complaining. You know, it's like he's, as someone who hates the, the rest of the team, he's always hanging out with them, so. Now, what what is your take on uh, the changes they're doing? Like, you said on the San Diego Comic-Con, they made some announcements. Oh, very excited. Very, very excited. Because um, much like you were saying before about, like, superheroes, I think what's cool now, because, I mean, they've announced things like Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, um, well, I mean, that's not what they're calling the movie, but, you know, that was one of the books he was in days ago. Blade is coming back. Um, shoot. Um, there's a couple other characters that they announced that they're not really superheroes in the way that, like, the Avengers were, where they got together and, hey, we're going to fight evil. A lot of those stories are a lot more, like, personal. Like, we're getting more into, like, the supernatural magic kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, vampires are going to be a thing. And I think this is exactly what Marvel needs because Endgame wrapped up 10 years worth of storylines with that team of Avengers. And it would be redundant to do it again where you just have like another group of individual characters and have them team up. But I think, which is cool, I think what would be awesome if they just, just told stories with these characters. Now, if there's any sort of like crossover between them, like if Shang-Chi and like Blade or New York like fighting like I don't know, ninjas and vampires, that'd be cool. But I feel like now they don't have to. So it's cool that they're just getting weird. And now that the movies are starting to reflect the comics, where now it's just like, look, we've already done our big team-up movie. We have this raccoon in space. Now we have a vampire hunter. Let's just get weird. Let's just get silly. It's starting to remind me of some of the stuff I love from, like, maybe the 70s and 80s era Marvel, where they're just like, look, this is what it is. Just deal with it. Like, this this is the new normal. Well, it's funny you said that because I was thinking about horror movies like Man Wolf. You know, you could go that direction too. Oh, yeah. Or what's the other one? Like Werewolf by Night? Come on. How great would that yes. be? You know, there there was a. I doubt they're going to do Son of Satan, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, oh, that's nice. Bringing that one back. That's cool. How about Prince Namer, Submariner? What's going on with that? Have you heard anything? Um, God, every time I try to look that up, they keep making different rumors because I keep hearing that it's still a universal character, but that they have the rights. I was thinking maybe since he and Black Panther are, you know, Atlantis and Wakanda are always at war, maybe make him a Black Panther villain. But I don't know how that'd go because Namor could either be the best superhero or he could be like the biggest jackass or he could just be stealing a visible woman away from Reed Richards. I mean... <laughs> now what do you think he, he does a lot now what do you think of natalie portman as thor i honestly didn't see it coming 
because I do remember after the Dark World, um, I know Natalie Portman was very vocal about um, not doing the Marvel movies anymore. And I wasn't sure what the basis of that was, if it was more of a contract thing, if it was about time, maybe better screen presence. So to see her spoilers in Endgame after they kind of like would talk about her in other movies was surprising because I honestly didn't think she'd come back. So not only is she coming back, but also going to be Thor, which, you know, Jane Foster has been Thor in the comics recently. And at first I was like a little confused by it. But once I read the story and what and how it works, it was cool. I don't know if they'll do it the same way because that story is a little on the darker side as far as like what the powers were doing for her. But I don't know. I think it's, I'm just interested to see what happens because, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, try it. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, there's still like 20, 25, damn near 30 movies that I can watch and enjoy. So I just physically, like, at I this don't, point, physically, I don't know how she could pull it off. It doesn't seem like a powerful woman to me. I think she could pull it off. Like, because, I mean, as long as whoever is worthy, I mean, Cap technically could do it. But granted, the only thing that was confusing to me is I always thought Thor was just his name. I didn't realize that was also the name of the character. But I also know that he had an um, alter ego in the comics. Well, it was a Donald Blake. So I don't know. I, I'm just interested to see what happens. Like, if Natalie Portman can do it. Like, if this is going to be, like, if she's the new Thor. Because, I mean, they kept Chris Hemsworth around, yes. But I don't know how long they're going to keep him around. So I'm feeling what they might do is essentially have, like, Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, much like in the comics where, you know, obviously um, Sam Wilson was Cap for a while. Um, Tony Stark was dead, so they had uh, this... uh, this lady, Riri Williams, like, she was, like, a teenage girl. Like, she became, like, Ironheart or something like that. But they can always have, like, other people take up the mantle. So it would be kind of cool to see if she becomes, like, officially the new Thor. I'm, like, cool. Because, you know, at this point, just try it. See what happens. I don't I I was never really a Thor fan. I mean, I appreciate him. But to me, the godlike characters are a little boring to me. It's almost like some people can be bored with Superman. Because he's too powerful. Right. That's why Spider-Man and Daredevil and the lesser characters are cool. Because they have the human qualities. They can get beat up. Wounded. And they're more relatable. If that makes sense. Right. Compared to some super. Like, I never liked the Galacticus, Thanos, those super powerful people. I kind of like the, the. I will recommend. Um. Thor God of Thunder by Jason Aaron. Um, that series, if you're not a big Thor fan, read that one. It'll make you a Thor fan. It's just that good. Adrian, did you have fun tonight? I had fun. And unfortunately, you got me talking about like superheroes, which I could be here forever. So I apologize Powerful. if I'm winded. <laughs> you get me talking about comic books. It's like, you know what? Might as well. But... I had a lot of fun, and again, thank you so much, and also just thank you for your support, and just thank you for always just being just a really fun podcaster, because, I mean, your show's been going on for, if you don't mind me asking, how many years has it been so far? 2013. Sounds like a cool science. Yeah, Yeah, we're about the same. Yeah, so, and that's kind of it. Um, Your show started not too long as um, before or after mine, same with, like, Dark Age and Pretty Freaks, and there were a lot of other shows that have come, some 
uh, are unfortunately no longer around, which, but still, like, the fact that we're both here after all this time and, you know, still connecting, I think that's, it, it means a lot. Now, I want to get your plugs in. Tell the kids where they can find you. Okay, so adrianhasissues.com is where you can find us on the interwebs as the kids. Um, I don't think they say that anymore, but whatever. That's the choice I made. <laughs> but there you can listen to my show, Adrian Has Issues, which is, like I said, it's more of an interview-based show with um, other creators from comics and music. Um, there are two other shows now. Um, we have this nice little family where... Um, my girlfriend and my producer, Eileen, she has a new show that just started recently called The Latino Nerd Experience, which is um, sort of her journey through creativity, but it's on a more personal level. And um, our episode one launched, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. That's really cool. And now I have a new show um, with uh, one of my best friends and uh, regular on a show, Ashley Berkey, called Talking Like a Teen, which is... Basically, us talking about, like, the music we grew up with, like, you know, in high school and our childhood, and even some of, like, our 20s, uh, you know, between that, like, some of the video games we play. But it's all kind of, like, filtered through this weird, like, healthy obsession with uh, the music duo Tegan and Sarah. So it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, we could be reviewing, like, no doubt one episode, and the other episode will be talking about Fast and Furious. But it's basically, like, a hangout show of just two friends getting together and just talking about the <clears> stuff <throat> we loved as kids and so all those like i said you can find the adrian has issues.com um i'm on twitter at adrian has issues um let's see facebook uh facebook.com slash adrian has issues as well instagram is adrian has issues pod but honestly if you go to adrian has issues.com you can find all the different shows all the different twitter handles um and yeah that's that and Obviously, if you listen to us on like Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, um, a few dozen more that I can't think of because there are so many of them. But honestly, just search Adrian has issues, Latina experience, L A T I N E R D, and talking like a teen on your favorite podcatcher, and you'll find us. And definitely listen to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, leave a rating and a review if possible and just thank you for your support and also do support dags Amish um, babe machine like i said he's been doing this as long as i have been doing it better honestly but <laughs> powerful thank <laughs> you definitely give him a shout because it really is a powerful podcast thank you and and thank you flock of amish for enjoying this episode today we we had a great time with adrian don't forget i created powerful merch amishbabymachine.com check out our merch also all the social medias follow us, Twitter at Amish B Machine, Amish Baby Machine, everywhere. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.